Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 205 DGS, gorgeous day out there. To uh, catch you up on some news, uh, Jim Jordan failed to get 217 votes in the first ballot. In fact, he got 200. Hakeem Jeffries got 212. And then there were 20 votes for other people. So... It's not like it's a like he's out, uh, but uh, the first vote did not go very well. Just looking at CNN and Fox News up above uh, the guys' heads, and uh, the headline is uh, three to five hundred Palestinians were killed when Israel bombed a hospital." Mm. So, as Wheels was talking about, when it was us in Iraq and Afghanistan, these things happen. They're going to happen. Israel basically said uh, from the start, get ready because things like this are going to happen. Um, I'm a little surprised. I, I mean, this is the first time something like this has happened that I was paying such close attention to. I know there have been tensions my entire life, but this is the first time I've really been disengaged. And... I find it fascinating what's happening right now with Hamas versus Palestinians. For me, it was never that difficult, you know, that Hamas was taking advantage, uh, much like Al Qaeda, much like ISIS. I know from some of my friends who fought uh, in Afghanistan, especially, they're like, look, dude, uh, these the, the citizens are going to go along with whatever the warlord says because they'll cut off their children's hands. Uh, so, you know, don't read too much into their support. Now, I'm no scholar about Palestine. I don't know I don't know how many Palestinians support Hamas. I know that they were quote-unquote elected. I get all that. But I've never had much trouble picturing good Palestinian people who just want to live their lives but have a hard time doing it uh, because of everything that's going on and separating them out from the people who carried out the uh, the attacks and did all these horrific things. And so like with Ron DeSantis and Jesse Waters last night did the same thing, like there's no difference between the Palestinians and Hamas. They are the same thing. The, you don't let them into the country, send them to Arab countries because they're all anti-Semitic. I was a bit surprised by that. And maybe I'm Pollyannish, but I was, I'm surprised that that's the position a lot of conservatives are taking. Um, I'm also 
a little weirded out that at least on my TikTok, uh, there's so much pro-Palestine stuff, anti-Israel stuff. And when I get it, I say not interested because I don't want anything that's going to be like that, you know, Uh, but I keep getting it. And someone brought up today on the news like, well, it's Chinese and China and Russia and blah, blah, blah. And maybe that's true. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm not smart enough to understand how algorithms work, but I have been surprised at sort of the battle lines being drawn. Have you guys? Um, I haven't seen a lot on. I feel like my TikTok algorithm is pretty even handed when it comes to showing things that are happening in Israel and things that are happening in Gaza. I haven't had that experience of like feeling like a narrative is being pushed on me or anything like that. I'm a little surprised at, you know, the lack of understanding that Palestinians have humanity just as much as the rest of us have humanity. I mean, even it, this whole thing of like they elected Hamas. Okay. Um, but if you're not fighting in uh, if you're not in the military, like you're out of that battle. It's not okay for children to die because their parents elected. Like, is what I'm saying making yeah, sense and clicking with people? when and you consider the reality on the ground, which is their last election was in 2006. Right. And Hamas does a lot of things at gunpoint. Right. Right. So are people voting for them because they want to? Or are people voting for them because there's a gun to their heads? Or there's the threat of violence against their family? And why haven't they had a vote? In 17 years. They I mean, were supposed to have one in 2021, and, oh, it got postponed. I mean, like, the, the I saw, they said, like, a huge percentage of voting-age Palestinians have never cast a vote because there hasn't been an election in their lifetime. I mean, how can people lay that on those individuals? Right. And not to mention the median age of people in Gaza is 18 years old. I'm I'm really worried. I mean, duh. But... Uh, there's talk uh, about uh, Iran getting involved. There's talk now about us getting involved, actual talk about, hey, look, if we need to go take out Hezbollah, we'll do it. Biden is going to be there today. Um, I'm just talking as a guy who has a draft age son. You know, this is the first time even since 9-11 where I've been concerned in a way other than watching something on a screen, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we talked about this a while back, but we're basically on schedule for a conflict, right? I mean, this, this kind of thing happens roughly every 30 years. So if you go back 30 years, it's right before 9-11. We're not quite at the 30-year mark, but we, you know, we're 23 years removed from that or, or 22 coming up on 23 before that, it was Viet- 30 years before that's Vietnam, the end of the, Viet- you know, from the beginning to the end of Vietnam. And the, the 30 year window is rough. It can be a little more, can be a little less. 30 years before that was World War II. 30 years before that was the Great Depression and World War I. You know, I mean, like, <laughs> it's not very hard to see that somehow, some way, we're in a cycle in that range where something comes along. And I think you and I both saw the same thing. Uh, this guy that is a retired yes. CIA agent the who says basically this is what World War III is going to look like. It's not necessarily going to be proxy fights. United States and China lining up across against each other on the battlefield. It's going to be proxy wars in Ukraine, in in Israel, in Taiwan. Like it's going to be all these little proxy fights and we're going to fight each other through 
these interactions as opposed so, to just like straight up on the battlefield. So we obviously are supporting Israel and we're sending a second carrier group over there. And let's say that Hezbollah launches a full attack against Israel and Israel is now split and they're having a hard time keeping up. And we jump in and we start bombing Hezbollah. And so we're exchanging fire with Hezbollah. Does that kick NATO in? Since we're a NATO country and now we're involved in something, does that kick NATO in to is, say, okay? Is Israel in NATO? I honestly don't know. I think NATO would only get involved if we are... Attacked. Yeah, not necessarily doing the Engaged. attacking. Yeah, But if, if, like, somebody comes and attacks us, like, if, right. you know, somebody Close gets Close enough, though, that it's, it's getting... It's getting very scary. Well, and that's the other part of this is... Didn't we already send, like, 2,000 troops over there, like, over the weekend? We have a, a, a Marine medical. force over yeah. there that's, no, the fighting force that's oh. ready to go. The, yeah, we we have a stance as if we're ready to fight. Mm -hmm. I think part of the... I'm not sure exactly how that works, but I wonder how it differentiates in terms of NATO being attacked by a terrorist organization versus a government. Right. Because yeah. there's no government attacking Israel right now. No, like country. Yeah, that's not the right word. I mean, because Hamas is, quote unquote, elected, but they're not a country. You know, they're, they're, it's not like Iran. It's not like Russia. It's not like China. It's not like the U.S. being involved. And that's kind of what we were talking about with the whole proxy thing. And I wonder if that's kind of an end around. For, know, the, for the countries that want to stir up crap. I know that way smarter people than me have thought of this and are thinking about it as we speak. But I just can't help but feel like this is uh, Charlie Brown and Lucy with the football. That Hamas went in so brutally, even for Hamas, that it's almost like we're not going to give them any choice. We want them to invade Gaza. We need them to invade Gaza so that, fill in the blank, whatever it is, then Hezbollah hits them from the north or Iran this. or I just have a hard time not believing, but a really hard time understanding what the end game for Hamas was. Like, hey, let's go over there and let's kill a couple thousand people brutally, and then they're going to come over here and wipe out and, and reduce this entire area to rubble and kill most of us. Maybe it makes sense in their minds, well, but it doesn't to me. I watched me. a YouTube video about this last night and the point that the creator was making, and I'm not saying like, oh, this is the end, I'll be all. It just made a lot of sense to me is that obviously this was, I mean, it was a provocation. They wanted Israel, they want Israel to respond at this level. And the plan a lot of times in situations like these is Israel then goes in with such a heavy force and ends up taking out so many civilians that become the, the bad guy, right? That the surviving civilians become radicalized because my little cousin was just killed in this conflict and you are the bad guy to me. And then Hamas is gathering more people into their organization because of the, you know, counterattack. Well, I mean, I think it's actually maybe bigger than that, that right working, now. It's working though, right? We see yeah. all of these protests all around the world, people supporting, you know, having pictures of the the, the hang gliders mm -hmm. on on posters and shirts and stuff. I, I've seen a couple of people who are political analysts, or maybe they're they they might have been military analysts, but they're not necessarily saying this is what it is. It's just amongst the range of possibilities that not only is what you're talking about true, Rachel, but there's also the idea 
of stirring up support from the other countries surrounding Israel. Yeah, right. So that if you can get them to jump in, and I've also seen it written where this is this is Iran's play, right? Hamas is just either following orders or they're just true believers and they get the push and they're going to go. Well, think about it. It's a good win for Iran if you really don't even have to spill any blood, if you can just fund That's these right. people to do this thing that starts an overall Mideastern war, yeah. it's a great play for Iran. I mean, all of the major power. And by the way, it might not be Iran alone. Iran and Russia are buddies. What benefits Russia more than getting all of the attention Just off watch, of Ukraine? Watch what happens to gas prices. Yeah. And, and I think that, well, that's another, yeah, but there's another level, there's another play in all of this. Saudi Arabia is in an interesting spot. Because they're in the middle of it all, but they're also they've also been allies with us for a long time. So there's that there's that extra layer. But that's why that whole idea of the proxy war makes so much sense to me when the, the retired CIA agent put it that way is this could be easily Iran and Russia and that that description of you know how it used to be Axis and allies. So Iran, Russia, China, you've got you, you, the Western world, the United States, Israel, Europe, they're kind of aligning in this little push and pull. And what's it always about? It's all these things are always about the distribution of power worldwide. That's what World War II was about. It started with the Nazis, right? I mean, it started with that. But why did why did Japan jump in? Why did Italy jump in? Why were they in it? Because they saw something in it for them. And that's and then of course there's a response to that with the rest of the free world coming together to fight against that. And it may just be that they see this as an opportunity that they're 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 aggressive regimes that are not afraid of violence. They kill their own people. They silence dissent in their own countries. And this may be what they see as an opportunity to further their own goals. Yeah. It could be also as simple as this is their business. Mm. This is if you're a terrorist, this is what you do. And so if there isn't a fight to be had, you're out of business. You're not going to go work at a QT. You're a professional terrorist. And like Rach said, that half the uh, population of Palestine is under 18. And so maybe they don't hate Israel enough, you know? So maybe the old guard is like, hey, we need to motivate these people. Or or Hamas will die out with our generation because this generation's way too soft. Yeah. I, I saw a video. I don't know if we have the audio still, but and we don't have time for it now. But I saw a video from a Palestinian man who is... Um, a P- he works for peace. That's his job. But he, he lives in Israel, but he's a Palestinian man. And he was describing how this is this stuff. Hamas is basically a gang. And the way it works, according to him, is that the people at the very top are getting rich off of this. They live in nice houses. They've got money. And they're basically pushing the buttons below them to get these because these things are what get places like Iran to give them money. Or they get the humanitarian aid and they take it and they keep it for themselves. They don't allow it to get distributed to the citizens. And that it's almost always about power. You notice whether it was Al-Qaeda or Hamas or Hezbollah, it's never their leaders that are leading the attack. It's always people coming from poor, oppressed backgrounds who are brainwashed into thinking this is your way to heaven. It's never the leaders, though. They're always hiding somewhere. They're always in the background. They're always at a distance because they want to keep the power that they're accumulating. Coming up at uh, 3 p.m., we have the people that took the video Bigfoot from the train. That should be a lot of fun. Let's kind of hear how that went down. 
Uh, you want a couple more bricks in the wall evidence that we're living in a simulation? Yeah. Yes. Chuck Norris and Vanilla Ice will battle the undead in a new movie called Zombie Plane. Hmm. We can't allow that, can we? I mean, it's this is no stupider to me than like seventy percent of other movies that have come right. out recently. I'm actually thinking that sounds kind of fun. See, you're you. I'm part of the problem. I'm part of the problem. She's sent by the machines to be like, "Don't you want to watch that, Dave? Doesn't that sound fun? Right, right. It's only sixty dollars on on demand." Whoopi Goldberg met with Pope Francis and gave him sister act merchandise because he's a huge fan. That's Aww. cute. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, of course I mean, he likes that movie. It's about nuns. It's it's not the most pro-Catholic movie, though, is it? They weren't really nuns, were they? Back in the Habit? I don't know. Weren't I they criminals that dressed up like, like seven nuns? seven years old. I also, there's something I don't like about, like, the Pope watching movies. I don't know why. <laughs> well, what else is he supposed to do? Like, when he's off, he should be sitting on the throne just staring. I guess. <laughs> There's something I don't on like about throne. him. I don't like him on an easy chair watching Sister Act and being like, oh, 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 oh. I think it's adorable. Pope I don't know. I kind of like the idea of that person having a human side. Yeah, for sure. You know? He should just be like ascending into heaven. Dave's so mad that we like the Whoopi story. No, 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 no. No, he's just mad at you of the zombie story. <laughs> Chuck Norris. I didn't know he was still making movies. I didn't know he was still alive. I mean, he. you heard about him a lot a couple years ago because it was like Chuck Norris. Yeah. Uh, Chuck yeah, Norris doesn't et cetera, sleep. Et cetera. He doesn't yeah. sleep. He just waits. Then he just kind of faded away for a little bit. I bet Kevin was a huge fan of the Chuck Norris jokes. Some of them, yeah, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> uh, we're having fun right now. Let me ruin that. What do you guys think of Biden going to Israel? Good move, strong move, silly, stupid. He he says he believes in the power of face-to-face meetings, and that's why he wants to go. So, I mean, there's two there's two levels to any meeting like that, right? They're symbolic. So you're showing the world I'm with Israel. But then there's also the meetings and there must there may be things like Rachel said that you want to address directly with Netanyahu or directly with other leadership that might be harder to convey when you're on the phone or on Zoom or whatever. If we're going to have a serious question about potentially supporting them in wartime, which I think is what's going to be happening there, I yeah, I would rather those conversations be had. You know, that's another thing. This one will take up on the think tank. I am very supportive of Israel. I'm very supportive of Ukraine. But uh, today they're talking about, uh, this was an Israeli official saying, well, we need an immediate $10 billion. And they said it, I understand it, they're not the first, but they said it as if they're saying, like, can I borrow five bucks? Mm -hmm. And regardless of who we support and regardless of the politics, I'm one of those people who continue to say do we have 10 billion <laughs> just like i know we can print it i know we can go deeper in debt mm. but th- i think those things have to be put into the mix as well i think you can be fully supportive of a country even militarily supportive of them but at some point you have to have a really honest conversation about your budget Okay, if we're going to be giving $10 billion to Israel and more billions to Ukraine, we're going to have to cut somewhere. Just like if you want to buy a new car, you may have to get rid of cable or Netflix. That's the thing about these proxy wars that that Kevin was talking about. I mean, we've already seen people starting to 
wear out on the the Ukraine aid, and we've got you know we've got Zelensky going like hey chop chop money bags like every ten days he's like demanding more and more money. Well, I think it's on our lawmaker. I mean, it's our lawmakers' responsibility to explain to us where that money is coming from and why it's being approved. Yeah. But we just don't get that. We They're don't just get like, that. Like, I mean, if oh, it comes okay, out of the go, military guys. budget, does that make it better for us? I would like to know that. Right? If it's coming out of that rather than cutting something else, mm-hmm. be easier to manage than if it's just people are losing benefits. 235 DGS, we're just talking about uh, President Biden is going to Israel tomorrow. And like Wheels was saying, like it's partially like, you know, not a photo op, but like, hey, look, we're here. We're behind Israel. And then there are the actual meetings that were going to take place. One of them was with Abbas, who is the president of the Palestinian Authority, which is probably the most important meeting you're going to have. And Abbas just canceled it about 10 minutes ago. Uh, because Israel evidently uh, struck a hospital, and according to the Palestinians in Gaza, there are up to 500 people dead uh, from the rocket hitting the hospital. And so President Abbas said, yeah, no, but that's over with, not going to meet with Biden. So things are going, uh, I start to say badly, but I don't even know if I want to put a word on it like that because it's above my pay grade to kind of know. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It does. Kind of on that same note, it's above my, I don't, I, I don't understand international diplomacy, but how does it make your situation any better by canceling the meeting? I guess well, it's like gamesmanship, you know? I mean, but you don't have any power in the situation. I mean, you didn't like the, the, the he, he runs essentially the Palestinian quote unquote government. He's not Hamas. He's the advocate for the Palestinian people, the people that are yeah, not the, Hamas. The people who just died. Yeah. But I mean, how do you address that by not talking about it? I mean, maybe you go in there and you chew them out. Maybe you go in there and you, I mean, like that, and that can be your message when you come out. I mean, I, I don't know. That's why I said I, I'm having no experience at all in international diplomacy. I'm not sure how not having a, a meeting is going to make it better for you and your people. Stairway to Kevin? Yeah. Um, I saw a story, and we talk about differences in younger generations, right? We, Especially you and I, Dave, we can go back to our childhood and the freedom that we had, the freedom to roam, the freedom to do stupid things, to make mistakes and figure it out. Uh, and there is a study that came out recently uh, that shows that the the rise in mental disorders in younger generations might be because of a lack of independent activities for kids in the younger generations. They don't get to just go play as kids. They don't get to go with their friends and walk to school. Everything is organized. Everything is supervised. Parents are always there and I, I, I'm not saying that this is true. That's just the premise. This is not being stated as a scientific fact. It's being stated as a theory about why some of these things are, are seemingly on the rise. And it's not, um, it's not just by some crackpot group. Uh, this was the Journal of Pediatrics that released this study. So these are all pediatricians that were involved in studying this dynamic. And one of their their ideas here the thesis is that because you're not learning to deal with things on your own as a kid 
You don't know how to deal with things as you get older. And that lack of independent opportunity, as they put it, to play, roam, and engage in activities of independent um, that are independent of direct oversight and control by adults is causing problems when these younger generations become adults. Well, think about it. <clears throat> Last week I talked to you guys about how we had captured for the first time a memory being created in the brain. We're now able to view the brain in a way that we can see the 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 synapse and we can see the electricity going to it and we can see a connection being made. That if I said to you, hey, Kevin, there's a new animal, it's half cow and half cat. Well, you probably have never had that thought in, in your life. And now, boom, you have a little tiny thing in there that is a, a cat cow. So if you think about that, Life really is, I'm not trying to get into a religious thing, but life really is our brains. We don't really experience anything other than what is happening, coming through our senses, being interpreted by our brain. And our brain only changes with new experiences. So our childhood, and I think Rachel's because of how she grew up, was full of new experiences and new responsibilities and new adventures and new people and outdoors and, oh, I scraped my knee and I'm in a fight with this guy. And our brains grew. And so when it came time to be fake adults like college, we were ready for fake adulthood. And then when it came time to be real adults to varying degrees, right, right. we were fairly ready for it. Why? Because our brain had changed electrically because of things we experienced with our senses. So if it just makes perfect sense. You don't have to be a pediatrician and, and, and you know, publish it in a journal to figure out that if kids have fewer experiences that challenge their brain outside of a video game, they're not going to have the same brain connections that we did. Yeah. It just makes sense. And and I want to be clear. The, the headline doesn't say that this is about, quote, mental illness. It's about mental well-being. And what's, I mean, I know it's cliche, but it's, it's, it's absolutely true. We learn more from things that we fail at than we do from things we succeed at. Because that learning of a failure means you've got to find new ways to try to do something, right? So if you're not allowed to fail, if you're protected from failure your entire life, how do you deal with it when it happens? You don't know. You never had the chance independently to solve problems. And it's funny because older, I, I, this is why I, these topics always fascinate me because older generations always like to pick on younger generations for their flaws without realizing or accepting that we created that. When you're the older generation, you created the circumstance that led to the younger generations being what they are experiencing, what they do. And it's, it's, it's an interesting dynamic to me um, that we tend to, and again, I, I'm saying we, because I'm in the, as a Gen Xer, I'm in, you know, one of the quote older generations, you know, ours and the boomers are the two older, really the active older generations. We are the, we are two groups are the parents of millennials and Gen Z and Gen Alpha. So if that dynamic exists, it's partly because of us. Primarily. Why did we go that route? This is what I was, I'm curious about. I don't know. I don't have an answer to it. I just think it's fascinating. Like you and I 
especially. I don't, again, I don't know if Rachel and Andrew, I don't know what, like to what degree you had the freedom that we did. But I mean, again, we were essentially feral kids. I mean, like, I mean, you're, I, you're I, just I, out doing things all the time. I know why we did. And it was pure fear. Yeah. Because television told me that there were predators everywhere that would kidnap my kids and torture them and molest them and kill them. 100% that's why Phoebe and Nick didn't get out of our sight until they were able to drive. And I had a uh, very memorable debate uh, with Dr. Tim Jordan, who's a pediatric psychiatrist, who back in probably 2003 uh, said, Dave, it's it's a farce. It's a lie. Yes, this happens, but it doesn't happen any more than it used to. It right. probably happens less. And the chances of, of your kid actually being a victim of this are vanishingly small. You're doing way more damage to them in a real way by cloistering them, by not allowing them to go out and live feral. And I really pushed back. We we didn't have a fight because we were buddies, but right, I'm right. like, no, 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 no. If there's any chance at all, I couldn't live if someone kidnapped Phoebe and I didn't know where she was. It's the worst thing I can imagine. He's like, well, that's about you. That's about you fearing your fears. But I'm telling you, your kids aren't growing up as well as they could because you're not letting them go out and run. So I, for, I speaking as a parent of a 28-year-old and an 18-year-old, my kids didn't have those experiences yeah. without me watching them 100% because I was afraid of them getting kidnapped. Well, it, it's that, and it's also I think that parents don't want to let their kids be bored, too, and a, on a less, uh, like— how many times did your mom and dad go go outside get out of the house every day i mean yeah. there what do you was mean you're not, bored? we had like you know a nintendo 64 and stuff and that was fun but like i it wasn't like here's an activity and we're just gonna go 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 and it's always about you it was never about yeah. the kids. yeah it was that's like, a good point go occupy yourself our parents didn't entertain us so that yeah. that causes your brain to grow too when you're using your imagination and when you're making your own fun and you know making your own way i just I seem to observe a lot that it's like every day for for some children anyway. I'm not going to say it's for all kids, but every day is like, how can we make yeah, this about next? you? How can we make this a magical experience? Which I think in small doses is amazing. But whenever every single moment is catered to you, then when you get out in the real world and, you know, yeah. when you get out of college and all of that ends, what are you supposed you know to what do? Else? You know what else that hurts? Marriages. I was just talking to someone at uh, Get Together, and they are going through a divorce, and they made the point that rather than uh, me holding hands with my spouse and then having the kids, it was, and this is, of course, figurative, I'm sure literal, literal at some point as well, rather than me holding hands with my spouse and then the kids were there, it was us holding the hands of our kids and we are on opposite ends. Mm -hmm. And we so put the kids first that we kind of lost each other. And I, I would guess that that is a very, very familiar story hmm. uh, in people getting divorced these days. Interesting. Yeah. For our parents, I'm sure our parents loved us, but there was no doubt that it was Jack and Francis and then the kids. Right. <laughs> right. No, you're right. Mm -hmm. There was a there was a there was a clear power structure. Yes. And it was the two of them united. Yes. And you were below that as a child. 100%. And I think it's an interesting cuz I think they cared about us the same way that our generation cares about kids, their own kids. But their methodology was not 
we're going to build our lives around you. Yes. It is you are going to be around our life, and yes. that's how you're going to learn things. Yes. Yeah. And I, and I wonder, because we're, again, we're not technically, well, we, are you Gen X? I keep forgetting. I'm right on the edge. You're right on that edge. So we're technically, the maybe, though, the first generation at parenting age who experienced what modern media is like. The sensationalism, the yes, the scare stories, but also just the trendy new things and the organization of things. And you know, it's I bring this up quite a bit when I coach younger players. Like some of this is you need to do these things for fun too, not just when you have to. Yeah, not just when you're in a structured environment with a coach, but like getting good at something, painting, playing music, playing sports, anything. Is a lot about what you do for fun for your in your free time. Do you enjoy it, and are you willing to put in the time on your own, not because it's work, but because you like doing it? I think we're guilty of it as well. I will. Um, I'm a pretty early bed guy, and so I'll start my little wind down around nine p.m. Go to bed ten ten thirty, and I will realize, oh, I haven't been outside since I got home from work, mm. and it's gorgeous right now. I live in a very pretty neighborhood. There's a park right there. Uh, but all too often I find myself like, you just watched three ancient aliens. <laughs> I've been there. And you didn't even go outside, <laughs> uh, yep. which is terrible. Yeah. It can't be good. That's not something you would choose. Mm. Like, hey, get get your ass back indoors and watch more William Shatner unexplained. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Serious show so far. Um Coming up at 4 p.m., we have uh, the Think Tank. Every Tuesday we do that. We have Kurt Barr and Alvin Reed, two of my favorites. Obviously, tons to talk about domestically and uh, overseas with, with, with what's going on. Uh, top of the hour, we will talk to the people who took the Bigfoot video from the train. Find out the backstory to that. Looking forward to that. Rach, what do you have? I can't wait to talk to the the train people. That's gonna. I I want to know like what made them start filming mm-hmm. to catch that in the first place. Um, okay, I got an email the other day. I don't know about you guys, but I get all of these emails from companies and the subject line was our last attempt to get in touch with you. And I'm like, does this actually work with people? Because it was about some BS unimportant yeah. thing, yep. but they were guilting me into opening the email and I'm going, does this actually work? Do you get clicks from this and do you get people actually reaching out to you and buying things from your store because you're being I, so passive aggressive? I find that with the mail. I hate the Mail. <laughs> 99 out of 100 envelopes that come to my house are scams. If not scams, they are uh, BS sales approaches. Personal and confidential. Oh, my God, I better open this. You've been selected to get a credit card, blah. Uh, pay to the order of. And you're like, oh, for the love of God. I know it's not a check, but I'll feel stupid if I don't open it. $50,000 to Dave Glover. All you have to do is take out this loan. It's only 38% interest. Hmm. I hate the friggin' mail. Well, I hate the email. So Grr, we're on the we're same so page. I just hate. They're both bad. <laughs> yeah, they're both bad. Did you guys see that Biden joined Truth Social yesterday? I saw the headline. What? Tell me. So he's on the platform now. They posted something that was basically like, let's see how this goes. Ha, ha, ha. 
Now, let me backtrack a little bit. Obviously, Biden hasn't joined Truth Social. His social media manager has joined Truth Social because I don't think Biden could send a tweet if his life depended on it. Like, I'm not trying to be mean. I just, <laughs> or drink a whole Sprite. <laughs> right. Well, that's take, hard, though. He could take one sip of a McDonald's Sprite and suddenly uh, Kamala Harris is looking like she's in charge of things. No, I'm just kidding. That's awful to joke about stuff like that. Um, just forget that I said that. But anyway, I wanted to know who is in charge of the social media accounts for President Biden. And I don't mean that in a like accusatory way. I'm just interested in this person. How did you get that job? It's an important job. It is an important job. And how do you decide on what kind of things to post? Because they'll post, you know, snarky things or clapbacks and stuff, which I think is quite unbecoming of the office of the president of the United States. But th- that's just the world we're living in now. But I just want to know about that person. And my question to you guys is, if you had an arch enemy, as Trump and Biden are arch enemies, and they had a social media platform, what would it take for you to join their social media platform? Because that's just nonsensical to me. I don't know why it's he joined move. Truth in the first place. I uh, would post all shirtless pics. <laughs> yeah. And be like, hey, day Jack, three. my body's way better than yours. Because apparently just, those are day, the things yeah, they fight about now. troll them. Yeah. <laughs> Day 15 of challenging Trump to post a shirtless pic also. <laughs> Let's go. go. Let's see this body that you think is so much better. <laughs> Get on the beach and take off I mean, your shirt. At this point, we might as well just de- just go to that anyway, right? Yeah. We might as well. I mean, we've basically erased We're all other previous norms. Enough. I think they should arm wrestle to see who will be the next president. There you go. Who do you think would win? Oh, uh, Trump would win this. He would, he would. Yeah. I mean, it. it you're, when you, when there are arm wrestling competitions, there are weight classes. Okay. So there's a reason. I mean, he, yeah, he he's, he's only two fifteen. <laughs> yeah, but Biden's like a buck forty. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 